Welcome to Dial It Up. I'm Mike Nada. And I'm Randy Redekop. The series of podcasts contains a, a number of conversations we've had with educators about the role of digital technology in the classroom. Okay, welcome to this episode. Today we're very fortunate to have with us a well-known school administrator in Manitoba, Andy Mead, and um, here with Rennie and I. Andy, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are and so on? You bet. Um, my name's Andy Mead, and I've been a principal for oh, 15, 10, 15 years now, administrator for 20 or 18, I think. Um, currently a principal at Mitchell Middle School in Mitchell, Manitoba, just outside Steinbach. It's a grade 5 to 8 school, and I've got two kids, 3 and 5, uh, very lucky to be married to Aaron. Hey, thank you. Um, well, one reason we wanted to talk to you, Andy, is because uh, being a school administrator has probably been a very challenging task with since March when things went kind of the world turned upside down, COVID-19. So um, I guess we'd like you to maybe talk to us a bit about how you've approached the whole closures and... Um, since this is a podcast about technology, how you've used technology to help you through these challenging times. Yeah, for sure. We're lucky that um, Hanover is a, a Google division, so that means we can use all the features of Google Suite, um, Google Hangout, Meets, Chats, um, Google Classroom. Like the, the interface is very nice and it makes the connection fairly easy and seamless for families who have technology at home. Um, one of the first things we did was um, started giving Chromebooks, lending Chromebooks and iPads to families that didn't have the technology or they had it or they had too many kids and not enough devices. So we ended up lending out about 230 or 240 Chromebooks to families, um, 10 to 20 iPads to families. So those are all out there for, for the most part right now. And um, the biggest focus I had for that first little while with teachers is maintain the, maintain the relationship with kids. If you can, if you can continue that using Google suite in any fashion either chat or face-to-face -face through google meet you have you have a fighting chance of getting some work done if you if that relationship disappears i think the chance of work disappears at the same time so that was our big push um and i also thought like this remote learning remote teaching put the public in public education um because all of a sudden we were peering into kids homes like we never have before kids were actually looking into our homes like they never have before like um, and the way we set this up is I created a, a learning at home hub for our school where all the teachers would post what they were doing on this hub. So I knew that we would have to rely on parents to help kids get through this. Kids in grade five and six, a little bit too young to be self-sustained, self-managed, managed, just either logging in for something like that. We're just getting started with work. And if the teacher's not always there, um, having that parent support was necessary to help those kids get started. So it had to be public. The parents didn't have, couldn't have, didn't have time, didn't have time to access the teachers all the time. So everything had to be there, had to be public. Parents needed to know how to get started so they could help their kid, which was the point of our learning at home hub. It was a sort of a, a central place for everyone to go. It was all there and that was their starting point, starting point and then they could take off. So that was the first two weeks is creating this thing 
where everyone would go to to, to get their day started. Um, just something that pops in my mind and I've heard other people talk about is um, parents with several children and a whole variety of apps and platforms that are being used. And did how did you handle that kind of issue? Did you kind of standardize things or... Was it? Um, well, we're lucky again. We're we're Google Suite, so most of our stuff was 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 within Google. Um, we did use Seesaw a little bit as well. Most of those are pretty intuitive programs, and um, we were kind of lucky with that little buffer period the week before classes were suspended. Whatever I think it was the two weeks before the spring break, we had that week where the minister said classes will be canceled on the state. We've got five days for families to get their stuff organized. And it gave us a chance to actually practice all the stuff with the kids. So we spent that entire week practicing Google Meet in the classroom with kids, practicing Google Chat with kids. So when they went home, they knew what they were doing. So there was there was lots of practice with that. So that, that really helped us, I think. What kind of numbers uh, at, in the homes didn't have connectivity? We had two or three. After oh. we, had, yeah, after we um, lent out all the devices that we lent out, we had very, very few number of, number of kids without access, and we're we're a rural division as well. And our school division did something super smart. They put a uh, a wireless hub on the outside of our school, um, where parents and families and kids could drive up, walk up, and sit outside the school and get connected to the internet um, for free. So, and high speed, which was nice. Was that well used? Do you know? I think so. Yeah, I often saw cars hanging outside the, outside the school and just a place to get some work handed in. And our teachers did a wonderful job just connecting with kids to just to encourage, encourage, encourage. And we called them learning opportunities um, as a way to invite them into it, not as a, this is something that has to get done um, because every family is different. And I mean, I think of my own situation. I've got a five-year-old and three-year-old. I'm a principal, Aaron's a teacher. And we like Disney Plus, without Disney Plus, I don't know what our kids would have done because we were pretty focused on helping kids with their work, like our other kids with their work. And, there was weeks at a time when we didn't even look at our son who was in kindergarten. We didn't do a lot of schoolwork at times um, just because we were so focused on trying to, trying to do our job. So we, we know how other families were feeling that it's tough. So um, the biggest thing that I sort of mentioned to teachers and teachers, we did this a couple of times was when you're planning something, cut it in half and then cut it in half again. I think when you cut it in half the second time, that's probably an appropriate amount of work to, to be sending home. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind as well when you talk about that, Andy, is there's a lot of talk and concern about kids falling behind because of this and then over summer. And just what are, what are your thoughts on that kind of discussion? That was actually going to be my, my thought at the end, Mike. So you stole my thunder. <laughs> I'm not worried about that really at all. Like There's going to be a few kids that have lost, but every year that I've been an administrator in school, we've had kids take an eight-week trip, ten-week trip, they go somewhere across the world with their family and do this thing. And I'm, I'll never send work on those trips because the, the point of the trip is to experience the trip. They don't want to be doing math in the backseat of some thing on a safari. That's not going to happen. So we just send them out. They live their life. They do the thing. They come back and we catch them up when they're done. So, and it's never been an issue. So, and I don't, I really, I'm really not worried about the academic side of this. We haven't, yeah, we've missed some time but if you think about it june in schools most people know what happens in june in schools and really it was march uh, it was april may were the two big months it's eight nine weeks i think we can get that caught up pretty quick our teachers are 
pretty fantastic of figuring what kids are where kids where kids are in September, making a plan and going from there. Um, I worry more about the social emotional side of things. Lots of kids go home to families that are that are in tough spots and just don't have the opportunities that maybe some other families have. And if they're isolated in a place that they're not feeling safe, that's a scary place for some kids. So when they come back, those are the kids we worry about the most, and we'll have to pretty have a pretty pretty solid plan to get those kids back into the life of what it means to go to school again. What are you hearing from your teachers in terms of uh, <clears throat> adapting and stress levels? Um, it's hard. To, I, I don't think it's been super stressed. I, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I taught online for a long time before I became administrator. I think for five years or so, I was an online teacher. So I, I kind of hadn't had an idea of how consuming online teaching could be. Like it could be a 24-7 thing if you let it be. So I really encourage teachers here to stick to a structure, like set up a day schedule that you're available to teach online as te- as kids wanted to reach you, be free. But after that, it's very structured. I'm going to meet with this group of kids between this and this, this and this, and at four o'clock, Peter goes away and I'm done. I'm not available. So I think our staff has been pretty good at maintaining those if, if they chose to. So stress level hasn't been too, too high, I don't think. I might be yelled at later by saying that because I don't, what I don't know, I don't know. But I think the structure that we set up really helped teachers sort of keep it to a regular school day. And we also set it up where the first two weeks I asked teachers, we sort of blew up the entire school, our school, and we um, grade five teachers all picked one subject to plan for. So our one grade five teacher would pick ELA and she would plan the ELA for all the kids in grade five ELA. A grade six teacher would teach, create all the science stuff for that, for that grade just to A, to reduce how much you have to prep, because I didn't want teachers to have to prep ELA, math, science, social, French for their group of kids. Like, that's a ton, especially when it's online where it has to be basically accessible all the time. It was create something for that week for that group, and then homeroom teachers would check in with those kids about that subject, what they're doing. That, after two weeks, that sort of changed because then we went from, we weren't sure if we were coming back to, no, we're out for long term. Our grade five, sixes because the connection is a little bit different at the younger grades. The grade five, sixes, we focused on ELA and math was the direction for the province. So a little easier to plan for with the addition of social studies and other, other subjects as well. Um, the grade seven and eight, we actually kept that system going where there was one teacher planning all the ELA for grade seven, one teacher planning all the ELA for grade eight, and the other teachers just checked in and kept kids going that they were connected to. Um, because it's... Again, it's a, it's a prep thing, like prep something for the week. It sits there. Kids can pick away it as they go, and teachers check in throughout the week. And that, that worked pretty well, I think. So I think that it, just, it kept the work levels manageable for everybody and focused on the relationship. Uh, you mentioned, um, like, using Google Suite and Meetup and so on. Um, do you have a sense of, like, was there a specific amount of time teachers were connecting face-to-face through technology with families or did it kind of play it by ear? How did that, that work out? Uh, again, we, I encourage teachers to create a schedule with kids. So every day, like every Monday, they would meet these three kids at this time for this hour, half hour, whatever it was. Um, we have data that shows, I, on our learning at home pub, I asked kids to check in every day just, just to tell us how they were doing. It was, I'm doing great, I'm tired, but I'll get going, or I'm lost, I need help was the three options. Um, and we've got 2,000 check-ins on that, on those 
pages uh, or on the on that form and 95 percent of it was between the hours of 9 and 12. a few kids checked in after that but most of it was done in the morning so mm-hmm. um and then it, that really helped us plan for the month of june when we were more back in school with appointments and stuff we kept our online learning going all morning for the last three weeks and the afternoons that's when we built our our in-school appointments because the kids were motivated to work in the morning so we didn't want to wreck that so we just kept the, and then we opened up the school for kids to come in to meet with teachers in the afternoon so like great ways to uh, to manage it both on family side and on the school side yeah and i was worried about when the schools came back and we had to in-school appointment and we had to keep on teaching online I didn't want teachers to have to do both at once. So we really set the structure there as mornings are for this and the afternoons are for this and that's all it is. And, and for the online, online learning component, we shut that down to half what we were doing before, cut that by half so it's, it's, it's a manageable workload for kids and families and, and teachers. One thing, Andy, I know that um, you're kind of known for is being a proponent of the use of social media. and. Being an area of interest for myself as well, I'm just wondering um, about your use of that during the closure. Has it changed? Has it gotten more, less? Have you noticed anything different with the way you've used it? Yeah, it's been a little bit less because I'm a little disconnected from kids at this point because I'm I'm more of just helping teachers, connecting with teachers. That's sort of my class. As I, I set up a schedule for myself to meet with the grade 5 teachers Monday, the grade 6 teachers Tuesday, and so on and so on. And then we'd have a staff meeting every Friday. And with all the other stuff, I just didn't have a chance really to, to make a scheduled plan with kids. So I felt a little disconnect, disconnected with kids. So I, did, I didn't get, to, I couldn't go into classrooms, which is where I post most of my pictures. Um, so I got a little, I did some different things. For the first eight or nine weeks, I did a, a weekly challenge on YouTube. Sometimes very silly things. Sometimes it was a send me a high five that we created a five minute video to just build some community in the school. Um, parents sent me all sorts of pictures of what their kids are doing, so I, I would share those. Um, teachers would share share lots with me, and I would I would share that too, or just announcements of what's what's happening. Next. So it was definitely a huge part of just keeping keeping them informed, keeping families informed, keeping myself informed, and sharing some of the awesome stuff that was happening. I bet you probably missed that connection with kids, though. Oh, huge! Yeah, I mean, I'm not a principal. I'd like to think that sits in my office all day and. And looks at data like I'm. I'll be in the classroom most every class as much as I possibly can throughout the day, just to check in, say hi, see what kids are up to, and and help teachers. And I like a typical school day. I think I was at thirteen, fifteen thousand steps per day. And the first two weeks of remote learning, I was at twelve hundred, and it was I was feeling kind of sluggish at times, right? Yes, so, <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> well, then I built a built a. Um, a desk on my treadmill so I could walk and do chats and do meets while I'm walking just to just to get active and make it feel like I was chasing kids yeah I saw that on your uh, Instagram very creative <laughs> yeah, I only fell once it was good <laughs> well, actually, you know talking about the treadmill thing and, and moving away from the technology or incorporating it um, <clears throat> what happened to the concepts of physical education recess. Were you encouraging kids to get out and do things? Absolutely. We uh, we've got two very very good phys ed teachers at our school, and they created a, a form. And again, it was part of our part of our 
learning at home hub there was the subjects ela math science social um and we also added music and phys ed and we sort of prioritized them as these are the core subjects and these are the other subjects additional subjects because some kids don't like doing ela math right that's not how they want to spend their day so we offered learning opportunities nothing they had to do but things they if they wanted to they could and one of them one of them was phys ed so our phys ed teachers created a doc with all of these different things you could do and a log form where if we encourage kids to be active for 30 minutes a day and to take two minutes a day to use that form, a Google form, to tell the phys ed teachers what they were doing. Mm -hmm. The phys ed teachers had hundreds and hundreds of responses from kids of just how they were active every day, which was great. So it wasn't just kept kids sitting down. We wanted to see kids moving. And I, I got lots of information from parents. They were showing me how their kids were staying active, which was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is great. And we have the data, which is even cooler, of what, what kids were doing. I guess that's going to be a, uh, a side or back benefit of some of this, as we'll have different kinds of data. Right, for sure. Um, Andy, we don't want to keep you too long, but I'm wondering if you kind of look in your crystal ball and you being more connected with K-12 system than Rennie and I are, what do you see happening in fall? Oh, um, I think there's sort of two ways we go. I think it, it goes back and we're, we're very safe and smart and everyone's here at the same time. We just carry on with our day. Um, or if we go half day, like half the kids are here and half the kids aren't, I'd love to see a system where it's like we're a six-day cycle I'd love to maintain that six-day cycle, and, and we'd have a day 1A and then a day 1B, and then we just carry on our six-day cycle that way. That way, our tech ed teachers are, teachers are still teaching tech ed. Our kids who love tech ed still get the chance to do tech ed. I think a part of the, the last nine weeks, which I, I understand why it was done, but I have a sort of a, an issue with is we rank courses quite a bit. Like ELA and math were at the top. That's what we focus on. Mm -hmm. Social studies, science, the other subjects were kind of a step below and French was at the bottom. We need to give opportunities for these kids to work in all of these subject areas, I think, moving forward. So whatever it looks like, I really hope that we we, we give the, all the courses, all the opportunities for kids to learn in all of these different courses, whether it's every day, full day, or it's every other day or whatever. I just, I want to make, I would love to see all the courses getting a fair shake. Before we ask you the final thing here, do you have anything else you want to add about what you've talked about or how things have been? Yeah, it was, for me, it was fascinating to see which kids really engaged and which kids didn't. Um, I, I guarantee there are some kids out there that absolutely love the last nine weeks of the learning because it maybe felt unsafe at school because they've been picked on or victims or whatever. It just school is not a safe place for every single kid. And for these kids to maintain the relationship with teachers and the safety of their home, I think a lot of the, some some of our kids really love this. Um, so the introvert kids, but the extrovert kids probably really struggle. So that's our job next fall, hopefully September. <laughs> um, is to what are we going to do with the kids that really struggled, the extroverts that really struggled with this quarantine time? How do we support them to get back in this role of being a student where they're they're maintaining some behavior that that's okay at school? So, um, to let them still live and breathe, but it has to be there has to be some control there. And how do we get the kids that were introverted and love this at home thing? How do we get them back in the social setting of working with kids that maybe they struggled with? Yeah, I think that's one thing with the 
the whole situation is done is pointed out differences in so many places, first with equity to access to internet to devices, as well as, as you're talking about the way, you know, kids learn better or the environment that they, they thrive in. Well, and just even teacher skill too, I think this really opened up which teachers are very, very comfortable in the online sort of technical world and which teachers are more, more adept to their, their face to face is their, is their brilliance, right? So um, that was the, my, one of my earlier points. This has really put the public in public schools. Everyone in my school knows what every teacher is like at this point. Maybe that was stuff that was less obvious before. And um, I think that's been great that it's really opened things up quite a bit. Yeah, makes everybody seem more human. Yeah, exactly. Which is interesting because we're all doing it through technology. Yeah, yeah, that is good point. <laughs> um, one thing we like to ask all our guests is to leave our audience with uh, some sort of a provocative thought or question for them to think about or talk about with their colleagues. So do you yeah, have something for us? I was going to talk about that earlier point, whatever that was. Something that I thought was very smart, but <laughs> clearly it's left my mind. So it's not that. I'll, I'll just talk about assessment. I think is um, as soon as the classes were announced, we just said everyone's passing. Right, the stress was gone. Everyone's moving on to the next grade as long as that's where they're at. Um, and we we spend so much time focusing on evaluation and tests and things like that. And I think. All we encourage during this process is feedback to kids. Like they submitted something, try to make it better here, and then they submit it again. We didn't ever talk about marks. We didn't talk about this, like the typical things we talk about report cards. Our report cards this year in June are interesting because if you talk to most parents, I would hope that they know their kid is a learner more now than they ever have before. So what is this report card really going to tell parents that they don't hopefully already know? Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's that access to kids where parents were watching their kids work like they never have before. What were, what were teachers talking to kids about? They weren't talking about the eight out of the 10. They were talking about the assignment that they worked on and how to make it better. And done that through a relationship, through a screen, right? So for me, it's just if we can, if, if we can build off of that and make our assessment practices better, our relationships better, and focus on what matters in school, which is Social, emotional, and learning. Not about marks, report cards, and things like that. That's that's. I think we can get that out of this. It's been a it's been a success. Sort of reinforces the this uh, statement that once the mark is given, the learning stops. Right. Exactly. And there's been so like the end the, the personalization of this too. I think has been great. Um, talking to some teachers about they threw an assignment out and kids got to pick a thousand different ways to return it because they were at home and they can only had the only had so many things around them to, to do their work. We had one kid who was pretty disengaged in school and came to the schoolwork. As soon as he went home and did this stuff online, he found things in his home to show off his skills. Hockey players. So he started doing all of his ELA assignments through videos of hockey and he was 100% engaged. And it was just fascinating to watch this kid. So the personalization of this online remote learning has, has been beneficial for a lot of kids too. Great. Well, Thanks, Andy. Yeah. So we thank you very much for joining us, Andy. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk with you again. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, I want to thank Rennie and my partner with these podcasts because 
this is our last one for a while, I think, eh, Ren? Until fall, anyways. Yep. So, um, all you teachers and principals out there, I hope you have a great summer. Relax, we because you sure deserve it. <laughs> I agree. The teachers have worked, have worked hard, really hard. Okay, thanks again. Thank you. Thank thanks, you. Mike. Thanks, Ray. See you guys. Bye. Bye. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And thanks to the Manitoba Association for Computing Educators, MANIS, for sponsoring these podcasts. And thanks, too, to Tofu Stravinsky for the soundtrack. See you next time. Thank you.